I'm good. I'm good. I got extra bottles of water, though, just for length. Make sure I stay hydrated the whole, the whole time. Well, hour and a half. Hour and a half worth of hydration right here. Um, just don't forget, we want new shorts. Remember, I remember no used shorts for the, the men. We want new shorts. It was on the thing last week. We forgot to leave it here for you. New shorts. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for who you are. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you um, for the opportunity that we have to gather together to dig into it. Lord, I pray that you would uh, move mightily in our hearts. Lord, that we be open to receive what you have for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 If you guys want to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. This is actually um, one of the readings for this week. If you're following along on these little, these little pieces of paper. I have about seven, seven of these because I keep losing them. And then you, know, you get a new one and you find a new one. And so now I think I have enough where um, I'm, I'm never without one. Um, so we're going to read this week's lesson is actually uh, Hebrews 11, 1 through 16. 1 through 16, if you guys want to follow along. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man, a man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he has commended the world and, <clears throat> excuse me, and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Again in chapter, uh, verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, he did, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith. Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this, one man, as, he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the countless as the sand and the seashore. Chapter, uh, verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would not have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them a city. Obviously, this is a very well-known um, set of scriptures and often referred to as the heroes of faith, right? Has anybody referred to it that, has I heard that? This is the heroes 
of faith. But this morning, I actually want to talk to you about what does it mean to walk by faith? Here, faith is defined, right? It's defined right at the beginning, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And so we understand what faith is, right? It's defined. If you don't understand what faith is, you can reread um, verse 1 again to yourselves. Not out loud. But what does it mean to walk by faith? What does it actually mean to, to walk by faith, to walk in those things of God? Because if you, if you see this as by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, these guys did it. And I always wonder, you know, and I always ask my, myself these kinds of questions. What does that actually mean to really walk by faith? What does that look like in my life? And as I was reading this and, and, and preparing uh, for this message, I began to see just three kind of four I know it's, I got three to four points. Hold on. Hold on to your seats. I know that's not how it usually goes. But I, I began to see three slash four things that, that God was really speaking to me about what it means to actually walk by faith. Because it's, it's easy to believe. It's easy to have faith. But to walk in it is a whole different ballgame. To move in it is a whole different ballgame. Um, and one of the things I was I was listening to a book on tape the other day, and and they talked about the the story of uh, of Eli and Samuel. You ever heard that story, Eli and Samuel? If you want to flip there, we're gonna we're gonna check there in just a minute. It's First Samuel chapter three. But actually, Samuel is mentioned here later on in in, in this verse. It says, uh, and I have verse verse thirty two says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about all these other people. And one of them is Samuel and the prophets. And one of the first things I realized when I began to read this is that we have to remind ourselves that God still speaks. But not just that. Let's, let's walk through the story. So first, first Samuel chapter 3, you've got Samuel and he's sitting with, in the presence of God, right? Sitting at the altar of God. And then God speaks to him and calls out Samuel, right? And what does Samuel do? Does anybody know? He, no, not yet. He's, well, he says, here I am, Lord, but he, he thinks Eli is speaking to him. And he runs to Eli. Eli says, I didn't call you. So he goes back and he sits in the presence of the Lord. And again, the Lord calls out to him. And again, he runs to Eli. And he's like, listen, I didn't call you. And I'm thinking, Eli's probably laying down in his bed like, get out of the room. I'm not talking to you. Just get out. I didn't call you. All this kind of thing. A third time, God calls out. Eli, uh, Samuel goes running into Eli. And, and Eli begins to see what's going on. I want to stop there in just a second. And, and I don't know how many of you guys, when you read this, wondered, what kind of parenting style did Eli have? Because I'll tell you what, I can call my kids at least three or four times before they come running into my room. I'm shouting at the rooftops, and, and then they finally come. Eli's not even talking to Samuel, and Samuel still comes to him. It's, I want to know what's going on there, but there's no explanation of, of what's happening. And I would, how many would like to know? How many would like to know? What was Eli doing? But Eli realizes what's going on is that Samuel is in the presence of God. He's in the right place. He knows where he should be. He's in the presence of the Lord. But he doesn't realize that the Lord speaks. It says at that time the Lord's voice wasn't that common. He didn't realize that the Lord was speaking to him. He just knew what he knew, and that was Samuel's voice. Samuel was calling to him. Samuel, sorry, Eli was calling out. Eli was calling. It's the only voice he understood. And Eli recognized this, and he said, listen, this is the Lord. He said to him, when the Lord calls again, say, here I am. Here I am. And all of a sudden, Samuel's perspective changed. Because somebody pointed him in the right direction to say, God speaks. God speaks. And when he speaks, this is what you would say. 
Here I am, Lord, your servant. And I'm reading that and I'm realizing how often a couple of things. One, that we have people in our midst that don't really realize that God still speaks today. And we need to tell them and we need to remind them because they might just not understand. That God nudges and God pushes and God pulls and he shows us things in his word and he's telling us things to do on a constant basis. But we might not realize it. That God still speaks. And reminding myself each and every day that God still desires to direct me. Not just give me the set of examples and rules and things I I should do in the Bible, but he desires to direct every single step. And those guys were reading about in in, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, that's what they did. They heard the voice of the Lord. They heard the voice of the Lord. Noah heard the voice of the Lord, so he built an ark. Moses heard the voice of the Lord, so he led the people out. Abraham heard the voice of the Lord and did what he was told. God still speaks. The question is, are you paying attention? Are you anticipating him speaking? Are you expecting him to speak? Are you allowing him to speak? That's the first thing is that God still speaks. The second thing is that we must be obedient. Verse 8 says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went. He obeyed and went. This this is actually one of my favorite verses um, in in the whole entire Bible. And and it's actually kind of repeated, or this is kind of repeated out of of Exodus. It says, just go. I was actually talking to Moses then. But here it's Abraham. He says, he obeyed and went. If you read right past it, he said, he said, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. You know, I think we often get stuck living by faith or not living by faith because we're afraid to go. We're afraid to go into the unknown. We're afraid to go where we're not comfortable. We're afraid to go what we don't fully understand. And if we function that way, you won't go anywhere. You won't go anywhere because if you fully understand everything that's going to happen, if God tells you every single thing, it's not walking by faith. Right? It's walking, I guess, just in knowledge and understanding. But God says, if, if I call you, the response is, here I am. I am your servant. And then the second response is, I will obey and go where you send me. And maybe some of you are here in that place, and God has been tugging at your heart, and he's been speaking, and he's been saying to go. He's been saying to move, and he's calling you into something that is new and that is unknown, that is maybe terrifying, and he's just asking you to simply obey. Simply obey. We're going to get to another part here in just a second, but that's our response to him is to obey. Not try and figure it all out, not try and know everything, to not turn and run the other way. That story's in the Bible, too. Didn't work so well for Jonah when he heard the voice of the Lord and, and went the opposite. But to move, to obey, and to go, even though we don't know where we're going. And the third and fourth thing that I want to sit here just for a few more minutes <clears throat> starts in verse 13. Chapter 11, verse 13. We're actually going to skip down and read a couple other verses as well. 
It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. If you hop down to verse 24, it says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. If you skip down to the very end of the chapter, so in verse 39 says, these are all commended for their faith, yet none of them had received what had been promised. God planned something better for us so that only together with us they would be made perfect. What these guys realized was is it, not, it was not about them. They admitted, I underlined it twice, it says, they admitted they were aliens and strangers on earth. Moses said he'd rather be treated poorly for the sake of the gospel than to have all the pleasures of Pharaoh's inheritance. I, I shared with the worship team on, on Thursday, um, often when I try to prepare for um, staff devotions, I find the wrong week, weekly readings happens quite often. That's because I can't find these and I Google it on the internet and the internet's not always right. Go figure. Go figure. And so as I was preparing for um, staff meeting this week, I thought for sure that um, the lesson for this week came out of Romans chapter 9. Yep. And I looked around as I always do on a number of different Sundays and couldn't find it anywhere. So I'm not, I'm not sure what it does. And I can't, I can't help but believe every time this happens, it's just the Lord. And this is what chapter 9 says. Verse 1 says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off for Christ, from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. And I share with the worship team about how desperate he was for for others to come to know christ and as i was reading through this hebrews passage i realized all of these men and women that were were, were talked about of heroes of the faith what they understood was that it was not about them they were longing for eternity but they could care less about their life here on earth so that others may know who christ is or so that god could be glorified and god's will could be done They'd rather be cut off from Christ so that somebody else may know. They'd rather be treated poorly than have the things of this world so that God's will may be done in their life. Since they admitted that they were strangers and aliens, they had this revelation and this understanding that this was about the Lord and His work, that this was about the salvation of those around them, not about their comforts and not about the things they could obtain and not about just the blessings of the Lord. And these men were highly blessed. But they realized it was about the will of God. And they were willing to lay everything else down so that God may be praised, so that God's will may be done. Paul, so that people would come to know Christ. We, we talked about, about it on Thursday night, how hard it's got to be to get to that place. And I, I cried out to the Lord, and I've been crying out to the Lord to help me get to that place in my heart. Good news is you don't have to actually get to that place. Jesus isn't going to cut you off. God's not going to cut you off. 
But my heart, I want my heart to be there that as I look at people and as I see people out in the world and come across people, that my heart longs for them to know Christ. Not just about me and myself. So the first thing is that God still speaks and that when he speaks, we must be obedient. And we've got to be honest with ourselves. If we want to move in faith and and walk by faith and see the world change and God glorified, we've got to remember and realize and tell ourselves every day that it is not about me. It is about him. And the fourth thing is, we sang about it this morning. We call this chapter the heroes of the faith. But they're not the heroes. It is God. It is God who did the work. It is God who parted the Red Sea. It is God who provided Abraham descendants. It is God who always moves. It's God who always directs. It's God who always wins the battle. The battle is always the Lord's. What he's asking us to do is to be faithful, to trust him in that, to do the things he's called us to do. Our part's to be faithful and obedient. His part is to move, to change people's lives, to bring them to Christ. That is his part. The battle belongs to him. I think often this idea gets in our way that we can't make this happen. And so since I can't make it happen, I'm not stepping out. Since I don't think I can see that through and and convince these people that they need to follow Jesus or or build this or build that or grow this or grow that, I am terrified of doing that and I don't think I can make it happen. I'm not going to do it. And what we've done is we've lost the focus of who actually wins the battle. We are called to fight the battle. We are called to be in the battle. But it is God who wins the battle. Don't let that get in your way of being faithful. It wasn't Moses who parted the Red Sea. It wasn't Abraham who provided the descendants. It was God. It's God every single time in your life when you come up against roadblocks and when you have struggles. It's God who moves. It's God who delivers. It's God who saves. And we have to remember that. That when he speaks... We say, yes, Lord, here I am. That we obey and that we go. And we know that he will move every single time. So when you read these chapters and and we begin to look at at, at these men of faith and these women of faith, don't overemphasize them. Remember, it is God. It is God who moves. Let him move in your life. Watch him move in your life. Be willing to forsake everything else in your life to see what happens. Don't walk in fear. We walk in faith, knowing that we serve the God who is forever faithful, whose love endures forever, who always meets us, who always guides us, who always protects, who always loves. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. You are faithful. Lord, that the battle belongs to you, Lord, that that you conquer, that you save, that you redeem, that you restore. Lord, and we just lift up those situations in our life that that need those, Lord, that need those things for you to move. Lord, and I pray for each and every person here that we would be faithful to be obedient in those situations, to move in the things that you've called us to move. Lord, I pray for those people here that have been wondering, do I make this change in my life? I I feel the Lord is is directing me and calling me or or speaking to me or shoving me or nudging me, whatever it might be. Lord, I pray that they would be obedient and they would go not knowing 100% where they're going, but knowing 100% who they're going with. Lord, I pray that we would remind ourselves every day that you still speak. 
that you desire to guide and direct us, Lord. That we'd be in your presence like Samuel. We'd recognize your voice. And we'd say, yes, Lord, here I am, your servant. I pray for a boldness, Lord, to realize that we are strangers and aliens here in this place, in the world that needs you. Or that we would carry you wherever we go. Or that we would forsake everything in our life for those around us. So that they may come to know you. So that they too will have eternal life. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus.